Welcome, everyone. You are listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. We are still quarantined. There's still no sports, but we're still talking. I'm your host, Pease Del Riz, and I am, of course, joined by my co-host, the... Uh, oh, you went to the Pacers hat, Terry. I thought you still wearing the Mets hat from before. Oh, no. uh, Terry Tan joining us from uh, his location. How's it going, Terry? Uh, it is going very well. As you see, I'm on the casting couch. I got myself some art, you know, just so I can show you guys, you know, what's going on here. And uh, we're going good, man. I have oh, some more too. I didn't get AIDS yet, so we're good. I got some roses painted in the background. Oh, yeah. Now we want it. Dude, how's it going? Uh, not bad. No, I try not to be too bored there. Uh, you know, hold, holding, holding down the fort. Uh, kind of getting bored without all the sports, you know? How but, uh, close, Duke, how close have you become to your wife leaving you? Uh, I'm pretty close. Yeah. Eh? It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine you being confined is a good thing. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, I'm a free bird, man. I'm a free bird. I, I, I would, like out of all three of you, the only person I'd want to get stuck with is Eagle. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, that's you're crazy. Um, you're fucking crazy. I feel like Never. I feel like I could get stuck with Duke because we lived together yeah. for so long for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but think of the reason why you moved out to begin with, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I moved out first. I moved out first. Okay, so <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm. I know I'm a disaster. So I know I'm tough. Imagine the peace and tranquility you had when Duke moved out for the first time. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it was only a period of like two months, but still. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. I'm glad to hear you guys are all doing well. One of the things I've got, we keep doing this, uh, you know, sort of COVID update. Uh, one of the things I've recently realized that I'm constantly doing since uh, this all started is I'm constantly cleaning my bathroom. Because, my God, I must take a lot of shits at work. My bathroom never gets this dirty. And, like, every two days, it, it looks like it looks like someone just melted a whole bunch of chocolate popsicles right in there, stuck to the sides, and I got to clean that shit off. So I've never, yeah, really, I've never really had, like, the shit that sticks to the toilet bowl, but you're right. I don't know. Maybe it's the diet that we have now because we're quarantined. Uh, maybe it's the same kind of food. But, yeah, my shit's sticking to the bowl for some reason. I think yeah, what it might also be is that when you're at – because you work in, like, a culinary school, right? So yeah. it's possible that the food that they're feeding you is actually not all that good because they're still learning, and you do a way better job at it. So you get a lot more density, let's say, in yeah. your juices. Yeah, it's also possible, also possible. It's also, like, these, like, low-flow toilets that the rating is as high as, like, the regular toilets. But it, I'm going to tell you it's not. Like, like, you can try to flush a kitten down there. It's not going to work. Why would you want to flush a cat down the toilet bowl? Well, I mean, why would you want Carol Baskin to come after you and point. kill you? That's a good point. That, well, yeah. what, what if it was previously killed by Joe Exotic? Ah, that's a good point. Gotta get rid of it. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Did you actually see uh, Jimmy Kimmel did an interview with Carol Baskins? Jimmy Fallon, and it wasn't Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But it wasn't <laughs> yeah. actually him. It was all, like, clips, basically, that someone edited together. It was these two guys. These two guys. I saw the making of it. These two guys found these two YouTubers. Yeah. They're from England, I think. And they um, they basically took a bunch of Jimmy Fallon's interviews, mashed them up, and asked Carol Baskin a bunch of questions as if she did the interview. It was the only interview she had ever agreed to do. And with Jimmy Fallon, she and they even convinced her that like she's not even on camera, like he's not even on camera, like you won't see him, but he, you're gonna hear him. And she's like, oh okay, she's so dumb. Yeah. Well, in in the Tiger King news, Terry, um, you and I both said we like you know when Dax Shepard tweeted out that he should play. Uh, he should play Joe Exotic whenever they made the movie. I decided to do an, uh, a show, and for the first time ever, Nicolas Cage coming to the, uh, to the rescue, screen, which is a testament to the fact that there is no role Nick Cage won't take. But for us Nick Cage fans, there's no way this can be bad. It's the greatest combination of things. It's, it's Nick Cage and Tiger King, Joe Exotic, in one world, just basically giving me mind sex. I'm, 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 picturing, I'm a sexy cat. <laughs> I'm picturing Nicolas Cage Nicholas Cage from Con Air doing it, you know, with the mullet, the long hair, yeah. kind of like calm, but like just pulls out a fucking machine gun and kills everybody. Yeah. yeah cats yeah. kills all the cats. Imagine the last scene of that. The last scene of the movie, he's, he has like a machine gun and he's annihilating like 17 cats. That'd be amazing. And he has like, he, he forces him to wear uh, Carol Baskin masks first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Duke, uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stream that when it comes up? Stream, uh, stream. What are we talking about? I thought we were talking about you need to pay a minimum amount of attention. No, I was. I just, you guys are rambling. 
No. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm big on Nicolas Cage, um, but I don't know if I would be able to do a whole show. From, I mean, he's like the greatest American thespian, right? So. <laughs> he's a he's a volume volume he's I a feel like when, when people say thespian, I know what it means, but I feel like it's a perverted thing. Yeah, it, it means that it's not a lesbian with a T, Terry. Oh, uh, okay. I was gonna say it's it's actually it's a it's a theater actor who only has sex with other theater actors. Thespian. Mm. Oh, okay. They do this. Yeah, they do this. They they theaterize. They theaterize. Uh, boys, the last dance is out now. We don't have to wait for it like we would have to wait for it because Cage playing Joe Exotic. Um, we we saw some interesting worst, worst segue ever. Some of my some some of these episodes I found were, were the most engaging for me personally. Uh, the dream team went to play in the Olympics in 1992. I was 10 years old. I was into basketball already, but this cemented my um, love of basketball. I had a, a U, Team USA Patrick Ewing jersey number seven that I absolutely loved. Wore it everywhere all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I loved that era in in time. And there's this whole story about t- Tony Kukoc, who uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen took it upon themselves to like completely shut him down because uh, of their issue with, with Jerry Krause, who was not paying Scottie Pippen, but trying to negotiate to get Tony Kukoc to leave his war-torn country and come playing in, in Chicago. And like they completely took it out on him, even though he had no idea about anything that was happening in the Bulls because he was just trying to survive a war. So... Jerry Krause is the ultimate, like, he, you can't like him. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? He's just a weasel. He's like. It's the way he looks. It's the way he looks. Yeah, yeah. It's like Gary Bettman. He might be doing a great job, but you just can't like the guy. You know what I mean? And he, he's exactly like that. He has, like, little man syndrome. He always has something to prove. And Tony Kukos, man, what a fucking player that guy was. Huh? He was honestly, oh, uh, he was very good. How sad was it to see uh, Kobe at the beginning of the of, yeah, I think it was, it was uh, the fifth episode? That was it. Really killed me because I was kind of having like a rough, like not kind of like iffy weekend, and just you know seeing seeing Kobe there was just really got me. I don't know. Seeing him talk what, again, hearing, hearing what he said too. He was saying how yeah he did yeah. like he asked Kobe for advice. To me, seeing Kobe in the All Star game was sad because it was like he's 19 years old. That's the Kobe that we fell in love with, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, right. and, What's interesting is I had heard interviews with Kobe talking about, you know, how influenced he was by Michael Jordan. He says, well, a lot. We're the same height. We play the same position. We attack the court from the same, you know, parts of the, the court. And um, so, yeah, he's like, I, of course I studied. Why wouldn't I study, like, the greatest of all time and try and emulate that? And, and aesthetically, I remember first watching Kobe and I was like, oh, this guy looks like a younger Michael Jordan. And then, of course, his game evolved and so on, and he, he became a bit more of his own player. But when he first broke into the league, he was very much trying to be a microphone. But also what I, what I liked about that whole All-Star game scene was that uh, how, how Michael Jordan was, like, kind of angry that Kobe was getting, like, a lot of, like, hype. Yeah. He's like, oh, like, well, that little kid ain't going to do nothing. And he's, just, he's like, I'll take him. I'll cover him. I'll cover him. You know, like, basically saying, like, I'll shut him down. Like, nobody's going to get any hype train over me today. You know what I mean? Like, like Michael Jordan seemed to have, and, and I guess this makes sense if you, if you remember his hall of fame acceptance speech, Yeah, but he's, I just remember the, the crying emoji, the gif. Well, no, but he, cause he went out, he went out and he like went after his high school coach that cut him. Jerry uh, Krause. Jerry Krause, like anyone who ever had an, any, any sort of negative impact on his life, he went after him. Like, and I, I remember at the time thinking like, man, like you're so great. How can these small people bother you? And he always seemed to like be creating this tension that never really was there. Like hey, he was doing it on purpose, basically. He was trying to get any way to do, he was trying to motivate himself in any way possible. I think I think what happens a lot of times with some players is that they they get, you know, when they when they have this this sustained period of, of greatness, it's almost like they need to find new ways so, to and LeBron like, does that. Like too. LeBron does that too also. The Clyde Drexler one was a stretch. Like, like he was like, you know what? Somebody on NBC said we're kind yeah, of the same. Yeah, yeah. Like, By the way, I, Clyde Drexler didn't so even old. know that, that was said. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and he was so old at that point. It's like he's just picking on an old guy. So I, so I read an article and then uh, for, about how where his competitiveness com- uh, competitiveness comes from. I sent it to you guys. 
Highly doubtful that you guys read it. I actually Whatever. read it. Yeah. No, I didn't read it. So I, I had I had the journalist on this week. I'm gonna post the episode tomorrow. I had him on, and we we dove into his competitive nature. And his, it comes from his father. He always had to prove himself yeah. because he always had his brother that was his father favored his brother. He was a much better baseball player. This whole thing. His father was like a good baseball player back in the day. He wears number 23 because his brother's number was 45. So he you know he cut it in half, and it's like. Everything was everything was he everything he's done in his entire life was to impress his dad and his older brother. And when they passed away, well, when his father passed away, he had to well, when he got old, his father passed away later on, but he got older, he kept on trying to prove himself. He had to prove himself to to get drafted first of all. He never did. Okay, he has a chip on his shoulder there. Then he has to prove himself to to make the starting lineup against a, in a team with a bunch of old men. He has to prove himself there. So it's like always and he always had to prove himself, and that's why he became the fucking nutcase that he is now. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, so the, the second the second episode was largely about his gambling, and I love it when he says that he didn't have a gambling problem; he had a competition problem. Yeah. So why why never lost money so hard in my life? Ad- admittedly, I think he kind of has a point, though, right? Because it was never no. there was never bankruptcy, there was never any risk of financial. Because he makes a billion a year. Yeah, but that's exactly it, right? Like if we go play a hand of poker and we put twenty bucks in, we're like, okay, it's twenty bucks, whatever. That's like. I'm going to make this nice and simple for our audience, like an hour's worth of work, right? How much yeah. does Michael Jordan make per hour, right? He's in the thousands of dollars. So our 20 bucks is his 20 grand. So he can go and do $1,000 a hole because he doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't That's matter. That's a good point. If you ask me if I'm a gambler, I'm going to tell you no, but I do bet on games once in a while. You know what I mean? So um, I get that. That part, that part of the show, that part of the, uh, of the show, I, I, my, my eyes rolled out of my head when I was listening to Mike Francesa where he cut, Mike Francesa, and he gave the worst take I've ever seen, or I've ever heard, and I've heard some bad sports takes. But like him talking about how he's he's basically saying that Michael, Michael Jordan, how, how could he, uh, how could he be dedicated to uh, to the playoffs if he's out gambling at night? You know, it's like the guy just wants a break. Can you just give what? him a break? But you know you what? Know? If anybody, if LeBron did that, we'd probably hear a lot worse. If Kobe but they do, that, they do that. They, they all do it now. They they absolutely do now. It's much more accepted than it was back then. You well, know, and it's just it, it, yeah. Right. But there's a lot of things where athletes get hated on. So, I, and one thing we'll talk about in a second. But to do, to your point about Mike Francesa, I, I I was watching with with my wife Natalia, and I uh, yeah. I paused it when it got to like the the was <laughs> talking about about uh, the, the Michael Jordan thing and and criticizing him for not taking it seriously because in the hours he wasn't working, he went to the casino, which exactly yeah, yeah. Even, like they're like making a big deal that he got home at two in the morning, like. Like basketball players, what time do you think they wake up? Like they only get to the arena at like four. You know what I mean? Like he probably yeah. the moon. Like it's all good. He was <laughs> tired because basketball is a hard sport, you know. And uh, oh, they probably, there's probably honestly, practices in the morning and stuff too. Yeah, well, they might have a walk, but usually in the yeah. playoffs they they cut that down a lot because it's grueling to play that many games and and at that level. It, it was uh, it was cool how they kind of showed how suffocating it was to be yeah. like a man of his position. I felt that. There's one really good thing that the director did, and I always like to look at the artistic aspects of of, of, sh- of showmaking or movie making. And I, I thought one of the coolest things was like they showed this 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 progression where it's like he wakes up, he's surrounded, he, he goes to the basket, he goes to the arena, he's surrounded, he gets onto the car, the car, and just constantly, and he just you felt the sense of uh, yeah, I don't know, like claustrophobia just looking at that, you know. Um, and uh, I don't well, that's, know. That's just, it, with the article, Terry, the article that Terry sent us, that's what it said. It was like you want to be Michael Jordan for. For a day, you, you wouldn't want to be him. Yeah. Anyway, you know? Exactly. Um, and and the 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 thing the reason why I stopped it at that point was I told I told Natalia I was like, well, yeah, see, like this is why we're doing hot sauce sports. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, what do you mean? Like you guys never take anything that seriously. I'm like, exactly that. <laughs> the, the fact that like we would like the people who cannot compete at that level at all are criticizing what people do in this. Yeah. And then the other side of it too, like like Sam Smith talking about how his book. Is what pushed Jordan to to be as great as he was. I rolled my eyes so hard. I was like, "Dude, Michael Jordan! Like, if anything, he just wanted to swat you like an annoying fly. Not, you didn't push him to greatness. He was great, man. Period." I think my favorite part about uh, the episodes was the all the moms turning to you and saying, "See, this is why you listen to me. You know, you brush your teeth, you eat your greens, and you take a meeting with Nike when they want to sell your shoes." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that's another that's uh, another thing that I was crazy about is that the whole Nike thing. I mean, obviously I knew that Nike wasn't as big as it is now, 
and I'm yeah. sure, that, and I knew that MJ brought it is big, one of the biggest reasons to why they are where they are now. But I didn't know that they were a smaller company back then. Yeah, they were they were mainly known as a track company, yeah. and at the Atlanta Olympics, they actually ran a guerrilla campaign where because Reebok was a sponsor, and usually I think they had been for the Olympics for years and years and years. And what they did was they set up sort of these guerrilla booths uh, all around the Olympics village, and they kept getting shut down by the cops because they kept being reported that oh well Nike's here and whatever. But they got so popular for the this, this guerrilla campaign, and they, they've been super aggressive in their marketing ever since they, they, they were even like, like, like they were saying documentary, a much smaller company. And so think of it though, at the time they put their name on a rookie basketball player, not a team, a rookie basketball player and gave him his own shoe. That in the eighties was unheard of. You get, you hear that now. That's not something like they weren't talking about Zion's shoes the way they are now. If, if, if this didn't go the way it did with Jordan and he almost did sign with Adidas. And it makes you wonder, obviously as an athlete, he would have been as great as he is now, but, does he become the world icon if he if he signs with Adidas, who do, doesn't do this, uh, you know, these big global marketing schemes that Nike does and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think if I mean, you're Nike tough. too, I mean, you're looking at it as what do we have to lose, right? They already have the entire market, so hey, if he blows up, we spend a little bit of money and everything, we make some sales, and that's what they said. I think they were looking at three million or something million, over the yeah. next few years or whatever it is, and so that's like a very conservative forecast considering what you're spending, and they get a crazy return, and they eventually turn into a multi conglomerate enterprise well, because of it was so hundred. It's not a it's not a hard risk reward from their perspective either. They made they made 160 million in the first year and they projected to make 3 million. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Imagine the guy in accounting who like, "Oh, I forgot to carry a zero twice." <laughs> how do you uh how crazy was it when when the, you know, the Olympics came around and he had to display the Reebok logo and he came up with this brilliant idea just covering it with the American flag. Yeah, they thought, can't say shit, so man. They can't be like, "Yeah, they can't well, say, checkmate." How dare you have the flag on your shoulder? <laughs> yeah. Smart. But that's the thing is that he was so – he had to be that way, right? Because he would never – even those all those little things that he did, he would never become the guy. He would never we, – we wouldn't be talking about him today if he didn't go sign with Nike, if he didn't put the flag over his shoulder, if he didn't fucking call Jerry Krause out, you know, at his Hall of Fame speech or whatever. You know, like the type of guy he is, we would never be talking about him today. If he didn't tell him that smoking a cigar would stunt his growth. Yeah, yeah. How funny was that? That was oh, fucking wow. hilarious. Most of his books are pretty lame. Like most of his shots at, at, Terry, at Jerry Cross is like, eh, it's not super funny. That one was funny. I like that. Yeah, yeah. How, how many little dick jokes do you think he made? Because like they show like the 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 weakest of them, right? The cleanest like, possible ones. Yeah. Yeah, he probably had a lot of like really nasty ones for sure. I want to hear the Scotty jokes about him, like on those like when they talked about how yeah. on the bus. Yeah. That's <laughs> the ones I want to hear. Um, the get the most petty thing. I thought of, uh, and I had mentioned before the show when I saw they were going towards like uh, the the the, uh, the the dream team. I told I told my wife. I said, you know, I paused. I said, you know, uh, they could probably talk about the situation with Isaiah Thomas. I had to like explain who Isaiah Thomas was. Isaiah Thomas was a phenomenal point guard. He was yeah. he was out of this world, and he was left off the dream team. And Jordan can say that it wasn't because of him. No, no, he didn't say that. He said. He said, I, I ne- he said, I never mentioned him. Yeah, but I never mentioned him by name. But Everyone knew, everyone yeah, yeah. knew that if, if Isaiah was on the team, you weren't going to have Jordan. It's not only that. Is that I, I, and I honestly get the feeling that if, if he was on the team, you wouldn't get a lot of people. Because Isaiah, even I don't know much about Isaiah Thomas. He was never in my era, like literally never. And I, and I know that he's a hated guy. You know what I mean? Never yeah, seen him play. Played on a hated team. He was, he's never, so like he's, there's also some stuff with like uh, some Me Too stuff uh, in his past uh, when he was an executive for the Knicks. Oh, uh, he's not, a, he's not, by all accounts, he's not a good person. Most people think he's dishonest. Most people think of him as, as kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Jordan spoke to that specifically calling him an asshole on this. I, that's, I actually really like that aspect of this documentary is that Michael Jordan's, personality was curated for so long as it's clean cut dude and, and now he just gets to go stories. all out and just be like fuck you i don't give a shit yeah i love, I love <laughs> people out while he's smashing whiskey love it love it and, did you notice his hand his finger 
mm-hmm. it like bends the other way. I couldn't yeah. stop staring at it for like 10 minutes. Wait, how many times have they probably been hit in the hand with a ball and it just slowly oh, yeah, bends like, in like, one direction, right? Well, like and Jerry Rice's fingers are all fucked up. Like it yeah. makes sense. Like basketball players and football players and receivers. If you want to be totally grossed out, like Google basketball players' feet. Like look no. up LeBron's feet. They're or Brian like, Baldinger's finger, his pinky. Yeah, that was nasty. That was nasty. was. Still is. It goes the other way. So, Terry, you, 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 spoke, to, uh, you spoke to uh, Seth Sugar and, and, uh, lawyer Fre- and uh, sorry, Fred Pinto. And Fred Pinto, yeah. So we had a it was a good it was a good conversation. We spoke for an hour. Fred uh, introduced me to Seth. Uh, I reached out uh, so we can have them on so I can talk about Last Dance them because I really liked his article. And uh, these guys are uh, they're almost 40 years old. And that was their era. Right. So I wanted to talk to them. And it was a fun conversation with them. It was pretty cool. Uh, to get their insight on like wh- how it was and they spoke about the be like mike commercial and how these guys are two jewish kids you know what i mean and they're, they're like fuck i want to be like mike you're so far away from being like mike but they still wanted to be like mike you know what i mean and it just oh, goes well, to show the effect I, that he had i remember going to school and like singing that song yeah like it was a thing like for, for anybody who played basketball for anyone who loved the game like that those commercials those gatorade commercials were like a voice of a generation yeah it was uh, so we got we dove a little deep into the comp- the competitive nature and and what what made him tick and LeBron comparisons and you know why he is the guy he like he is and we're we're actually looking into doing like a six part series about different eras of basketball so peas you're gonna come in on that with us yeah definitely sure. again I've been super swamped with work but <laughs> in the end of the tunnel I should be able to join you're you. better you're better at talking that era of basketball than I am anyway so yeah um so yeah it was it was fun I'm gonna po- I'll probably post it uh, Thursday. Terry, uh, I'm going to give you a series of words, and you tell me where you, you're being you're being surprised by it. Penis. Uh, breaking quarantine. Okay. Jacksonville. UFC. Are okay. you sure that UFC is the one to be like hosting sports? So I'm not the 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 one thing that I'm most surprised by the UFC hosting an event. I'm mm-hmm. second most surprised that they're breaking quarantine. And I'm third least surprised. Sorry, I'm the the least surprised that Florida is actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Florida is going to Florida when Florida. At all time. In fact, <laughs> in fact, the most surprising thing I could have said was, "Hey, Terry, I saw this newspaper article. It said everything is normal in Florida." But they're doing three events in eight days. The UFC, mm-hmm. which is great for me. I love it. I mean, I, do, I, just, I feel bad for anyone who might get sick, and but like, they won't. You know, right now they they all the fighters usually have to report like. Maybe five days before the fight, they go through, uh, they do their testing, their drug testing, they get their gear, all that shit. A lot of them had reported like three days before. So they're doing, all of them are getting tested. They're all getting their antibody test, everything. Everything is getting done perfectly. If you're, if you have the virus, you're not participating. And it's like, they're doing it properly. They're doing it properly. It's better than WWE who forced people who had health issues and <laughs> didn't do any testing. Exactly. In WrestleMania. Because the show must go on. Yeah. And and I and I as much as I'm like yeah maybe they shouldn't do it but I'm like if you do the right things like life doesn't stop right I I can still go to the grocery store I can still go to work you know what I mean if your company allows you to work like peas you went to work today why 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 stop these fighters from from working also they're I mean it's a little different obviously but they need to work some of these guys rely on that those paychecks to to make ends meet you know a lot of these guys a lot of these guys make forty thousand dollars a fight. And they fight twice a year. They if they miss one fight, like you're not feeding your kids, you're not feeding your family. You know what I mean? It's tough. And uh, so I think Dana White's doing the right thing. Bob Arum, a famous boxing promoter, has been ripping Dana White all over the media. And Bob Arum has always been the salty old guy that doesn't know how to change his old ways. And he sees Dana White that's changing the game. And he took MMA from being illegal to being the biggest sport in the world at this point right now. And Bob Arum is fucking bitter. He's like, oh, they shouldn't be doing it. No, 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 no. If Bob Arum had a brain, he would have done it because he's chases money just as much as Dana White does. So all these guys are ripping on Dana White and the UFC for doing what they for putting on the fight. They don't realize the 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 level of of organization that it takes for him to actually do this. And they're doing it properly so far. Yeah, and he he promised at the beginning of this that he would be the first the first sport back, uh, living up to his word. I guess always. But- uh, more than that, um, I'm happy just that we have this to watch. Uh, and perhaps the thing that I, I found surprising wasn't anything relating to uh, this. And we'll talk about uh, Tony Ferguson and Justin Keiichi in a second. Uh, for me, it was the rumors of Conor McGregor 
and Oregon Masvidal. It looks like this fight's going to happen there, even though Dana White has said every turn that he wasn't going to do it because there's no way Conor could keep up with, with, with uh, Masvidal. Uh, Masvidal is going to rip his face open, right? Nope. Really? Yep. Really? Yeah. Size doesn't worry you at all? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. I mean, as much as I love Masvidal, he's a great fighter. His last fight against Nate Diaz, he picked him apart. Nate Diaz is a guy who likes to take punches. Connor doesn't take punches as much as Nate Diaz does. Uh, he he knocked out Ben Askren in six seconds with a flying knee. Freak accident. You know, freak play. Great, well, he, great he way to finish. But he, he had studied a lot of film, and he, he saw that he would have had the opportunity to go for the knee. Right yeah, away. exactly. And it was like a thing where it's like, if I don't get him, whatever. But yeah. if I get the knockout right away, I'll take it, right? But all, Ben Askren's an idiot. He shoots right away. I mean, the guy's expecting you to shoot, right? So, yeah. uh, but for Connor, Connor likes to, he's a, he doesn't get hit a lot and he keeps his distance and he's a counter puncher. So if Masvidal comes in, look what, Mas, look what Connor did to Jose Aldo. Like one punch, Jose Aldo came in trying to knock him out and he knocked, and then Connor knocked out Jose in 13 seconds. So it's not as easy as Masvidal is going to destroy him. Connor's fought at that weight class before, so it's not a not a problem. Um, he's a big guy. He's a big guy for his size. He's got huge hands, um, and he's decent on the ground. I think he's a little bit better than Masvidal is on the ground. Uh, standing, he's better. I mean, I don't see how Connor can lose this fight, but I do see. Uh, I can what? picture Masvidal maybe like winning two, three rounds and winning like a split decision kind of thing. Question, question, question. Yeah. Uh, so now because. You know, most of us are pretty cheap. We don't like usually buying UFC events. Yeah. Uh, now that there's no sports going on, mm-hmm. you guys are you guys more interested in purchasing a UFC event? Uh, either way, I was going to do it. Well, yes, you, yes. I totally pay for keys. UFC. <laughs> I totally pay for it. I never watch it. Never watch. I've tried. Really I, I've tried. I've tried watching it uh, like on streams and stuff, and I just find like it's so hard because it, it just always freezes. And, it, and like it'll be good, and then just towards the end of the fight, I guess because there's more traffic. It, it's always so hard to find it. I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm gonna watch it on Fight Pass. If it's available on Fight Pass, you can watch two people. Can we? Can we share it? My password. Yeah, I'll send you my password. I don't know if you're allowed watching two people at the same time. That's the only thing. Is he, oh, is this, oh, just one of you watch it and put the stream on Zoom or something? Yeah, exactly. Why so we can get taken? Out? <laughs> let's not, not on no, Zoom. between us, oh, not idiots, not fucking live. Oh yeah, we can do that. Not Zoom. Uh, we'll use another platform. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I'll show you how to do it so you don't fuck it up. Yeah, well, I'll probably end up fucking it up anyway. You will. <laughs> yeah, last time you sent me screen caps of what to do, and I still fucked it up. Yep. You know what, Eagle? Screw you, man. Yep. <laughs> that was coming. It's been a while since I heard that. I was used to do that like once a week. Now it's, you know uh... Fuck you, Eagle, and your nerd shit. I'm going to call you later. I need some help. This is fine. Terry. <laughs> so are you excited for Ferguson versus Gaethje? Yeah, I, I am. I am because uh, it's going to be a crazy fight. It's going to be a nuts fight. They're they're going to kill each other. They are going to die. One I'm, of them is going to die. I'm more familiar with Ferguson than Gaethje. He's just more of a like a for the common fight fan. Like I, I just I'll, I'll watch events now and again. I'm not as yeah. big into it as you are. I'm, I don't have the experience in sport that you do. Uh, what, so, what do we expect from Gaethje? So Gaethje is a brawler. So I'll give you. I'll, I'll give. I'll explain to you what Gaethje is. Gaethje is a world class wrestler. D one can kill most people wrestling he for some reason never takes anybody down he just tries to box them and he gets he is gets that what a hit. brawler is i never understood what he is a then. brawler like the brawler so brawler supposed to be like he brawls yeah i i don't know what, i don't know what that means so the definition <laughs> is like he just likes to you see you see that fight. computer in front of he you open up your browser and search for the word you know, when you send, Duke, you know when you send Terry videos of, of two homeless people fighting and asking Bump for yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what that is. That's what Except with, te- with technique. with technique. Literally, it's that. Well, Actually, I'm about to post one right now as we speak. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting fight. Tony Ferguson, I think he's going to come out the window. But, I, I mean, uh, okay. He's a more popular fighter. Fight. I think that's who most people are cheering for. But, uh, you know, I take your word for it, Terry. Um, we go now, of course, to somewhat of a more somber topic, something that hit me uh, and sort of made me feel my own age as well as put into uh, the age of others, the perspective. Don Shula died at 90. Terry, when Don Shula started coaching, he was the youngest coach, uh, in the, the youngest coach in the history of the NFL. Yeah. He went to the Baltimore Colts, uh, famously was the coach of Johnny Unitas. When he, when he retired... 
at the time he retired, he was the only coach in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this, of course, since then, there's been 74. Yeah, there's been a nonstop carousel of coaches. Um, he he was embittered at the end of his career when he uh, he felt disrespected because he felt Jimmy Johnson was trying to come after his job mm-hmm. uh, while Miami was struggling. Miami media was pretty tough on him at that point in an era where the newspaper was more critical. Uh, they basically were saying like we need to we need to flush Shula, we need to go uh, go out and get Jimmy Johnson. And like to Shula's credit. Um, you know, not that I don't think he would have done much better at his advanced age, but, you know, Jimmy Johnson didn't do much with that era of the Miami Dolphins. Um, Shula himself, there were some interesting stats that I heard uh, after his, his passing. One of them was, do you know what his winning percentage was with backup quarterbacks? Oh, no, that's a good question. 70%. That's fucked up. That is it. You know, his, his uh, and, and a tribute to that is, uh, who's the coach of the Eagles? Peterson. What's his first name? Uh, Jordan. Doug. Doug. Doug Peterson. Kyle. Mike. Kyle Peterson. Uh, so <laughs> Doug Peterson. It's uh, Doug. He looks like a Mike actually. Quarterback of the game. Don Schuler broke the record for most wins as a coach. I didn't even know that Peterson played in the NFL. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew he played. But uh, but that's impressive, man. That's imp- Don Shula, he's, yeah, he's for sure one of the best coaches of all time. He's the only he's the only coach to coach an undefeated team. I mean, there's a whole – he was the Dolphins in the 70s, right? So, yeah, uh, RIP. Look, I mean, obviously I wasn't around in the 70s, but uh, growing up and, and having watched them in, through the Marino era, so, like, there was a, just a link to me of, of Don Shula and, and – when I was a more impassioned sports fan before the Dolphins beat it out of me by sucking, I used to say, take, take to my dying, my, my grave, Don Shula is the greatest coach who ever lived. You know, Bill Belichick would need to coach something like six seasons and average 10 wins each of those seasons to catch uh, Shula for a yeah. show. And Shula have- had a winning record against Belichick, actually. There was a stat. Yeah. He was like uh, 3-0 over for the Manson. Now I think at that time he was coaching the Browns. So. Yeah, Browns, but, yeah, I was going to say. That's what it is. And he was a young coach, so he figured, you know, rookie mistakes. But yeah, but still, but just to say, stats just to say. don't lie. <laughs> that Belichick has won. Like, like the, I can't even remember the last time the Patriots won less than ten games in the season, and he's not even close it's to. When Brady got hurt, two thousand six. I think they were nine and seven, or they went ten and six. Uh, yeah, two thousand six. Head to head to make it to the playoffs. No, wasn't it twenty ten? Can I make twenty ten? I think it was twenty ten. Yeah, they got hurt. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Where, Matt, when Matt Castle played. Um, yeah, so I mean RIP yeah. RIP Don Shula. He was 90, man. And like you said, like you said in our group chat, when I meet you, that's the age you are forever. Forever. So I, forever. I thought he was 70. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> when, I, when I first found out who Don Shula was, my like, how old is he? I looked 70, state 70. I was I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my god, like Don Shula is my dad's age. And then I was like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's got 20 years on my dad. And he um, beat and he beat COVID. It wasn't even COVID that beat him. Yeah, no, but he was in a wheelchair for the last five years. He was, he seemed to be in a lot of pain. Uh, he still, otherwise, like other than being in a wheelchair, looked very good. I, I have a feeling that some somewhere between the South Florida Sun and South Florida Botox, he kept his looks up, looking prime. Um, but yeah, it's a definitely, def, definitely sad to see the passing of Don Shula. Uh, Terry, the the NFL is doing something seemingly futile in releasing the schedule amid uh, this pandemic. We don't even know if there will be football, when there will be football, if it's going to be played in front of fans, if we can purchase tickets to these games. But they're putting up the schedule. And my guess is just so ESPN can spend 72 hours discussing yeah. that just to get us to the next part of the documentary. So releasing the schedule, I mean, I, I'm okay with releasing the schedule. The only thing is that they're already announcing that they're canceling a game. They're canceling the trip to, to England, right, you said? Yeah. I had no idea. But uh, I like I mean, the Miami Dolphins are going to play the Falcons. Yeah. And a friend of ours who's a Falcons fan saying, so we're going to London this year? And he's like, why? So I, I said, well, the game, the Falcons-Dolphins. And then he immediately sends me the article that I sent you saying that they canceled games. And that was the international games. And that was yesterday. They yeah. yesterday. And I believe the explanation was this isn't a good time to do international games, you know, given the whole situation and that type of shit, which makes sense. I mean, you don't really want to put people on planes and then have people. Oh, oh yeah. Seasons, and I, so, I, yeah. I've hated the London games forever. I mean, no, I think they're absolutely crazy. Awesome. 
Stupid. They're going to go back to it next year, though. Like, why wouldn't they? For sure. For sure. How do you hate better than morning games? What? How do you hate weekend beat games? Yeah, the games are 11 o'clock. Okay, fine. No. Have some eggs. And watch the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Not bad, right? First of all, I don't. I always eggs uh, are the best part about that. <laughs> I always keep that stuff for maybe a couple times a week, late at night, and I don't need until four o'clock every day. He's talking about eggs. He's talking about eggs. Oh. Not in general. Okay. I don't need anything until four. He's talking, about, he's talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are you talking um, about? So another a sport that's <laughs> come back already is Korean baseball, the KBO. Uh, is uh, bringing his back. I believe uh, they, they started playing on Monday. Uh, ESPN has already aired some games. Um, can I gamble uh, on it? You can gamble on it. Nice, right? Uh, done. Sold. Um, one of the things that I found out uh, just by sort of consuming media these days, Mina Kimes did uh, her daily podcast, ESPN Daily, about Korean baseball. And Is she, she Korean? No. I'm not sure. I think she is actually. Well, she might be, she might be American, Korean. but I think she's she's uh, Korean descent. Yeah, Korean descent. But she she actually did a piece on it years ago, where she went down to study there to study the the game there because uh, she had seen this uh, video of uh, Korean baseball players flipping their bats and it had gone viral, and like that's a huge part of it. Like they'll flip their bats after a strikeout, after a ground ball. It just like they just have a different take on the game, like having fun, and it's so much. It's a culture that that happened like within the last you know few years or so, and it, it became um, such a divide between Korean baseball and uh, North American baseball that, um, firstly, when Chan Ho Park went back to Vietnam, he was like appalled that the Korean baseball players were flipping their bats and celebrating because he's like, well, but this isn't baseball because he had been in America so long that he couldn't believe that this was the case, and then on top of that. Uh, even though Mina Kimes had witnessed players doing it, players refused to acknowledge to her that they did it. Even though they, she'd seen, she'd be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean back with him? Like, well, do you guys do this on purpose? It's not uh, North Korea. It's South Korea, right? Uh, so, sorry, South Korea. Yeah, it is. I know what I'm saying. But like, so they, they have freedom of speech? But it was because <laughs> the thing is, so she in her report, uh, they were so worried about what American baseball fans would think of them or when, or that they would be mocked for their tradition because what's then, wrong with flipping a bat? I don't get it. Well, well, unwritten rules of baseball, Terry. I know it's it's these. Oh, we spoke boy. about this a while ago. These rules, man. Like you can't look at your, you can't watch your ball. You can't uh, if you hit a guy, you have to like tip your hat to him or like don't stare him down or look away. It's all these weird rules that might start a brawl. Like relax, fuck, relax. Yeah, it just, it just... I, I looked it up, by the way. They finished 11-5 and five the year that Brady got hurt. They still – yeah, crazy. Sorry. Yeah. And, the, and the, Dolphins <laughs> only won, the Dolphins only won the division that year because they had the tiebreak. Yeah. They both won 11 games. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, it just seems bizarre that baseball, with this aging fan base, doesn't try to keep the game fun that would help engage younger people to like your sport. Because in Korea, apparently, the, the, the crowd is lively – you know, people are drinking, they're dancing, they're partying. There's music playing while the game's happening. It's just this like light, fun environment where people just go to the game to have a blast. And, like baseball just happens to be happening while you're having a good time partying. Like that sounds cool to me. And I love baseball. I love baseball in any format. Of um, course, anything, anything, anything we can watch at this point, I think we'll watch. I don't have ESPN, so I'm not going to watch Korean baseball. But if I turn on to TSN and there's some sort of game from some other country that's live, I'll watch it. But I mean, think about it though. Like, and I've been loving that. The the executives in MLB. I mean, just that that whole board. How long did it take them to implement like basic instant replay and little changes and rules and everything to get with the times? Right? Like, they're yeah. slower than soccer, and that says something, you know. Yeah. So, like, you think they're really gonna want to change the culture? And this is the way you watch baseball, and this is the way you buy merchandise, and this is the way you sign players and everything. That's not going to happen. I mean, you need you need a, basically some fresh blood. You need some guys right out of school with some good ideas to say, get the fuck out of the way, and we're doing shit our, our way now to make it interesting, or people aren't going to come watch games. So I'm um, all down for K-pop during uh, the seventh inning. No, and, and it, it, looks, it, it looks awesome. And, and to your point, Eagle, like, think of how long it took Major League Baseball to get to interleague play. Yeah. 
we don't we don't want to wait for the Mets to qualify for the World Series to play the Yankees because it'll never happen. So give us a Subway Series, and they did, and it's been immensely popular. It was one of the few things that got people back to watching baseball was was when they introduced something as simple as interleague play. But they're so rooted in tradition that nobody actually legitimately cares about. It's only aging sports writers who care about these things. Yep. Um, speaking of writers, Terry, did you read my article about Cam Newton? Um, did I? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. I can't read it. He's lying. You read, you read half. You read half. No, I did. I did. I did. I, I had to edit it. Yeah, yeah. you had to edit it. Sure. Yeah, true. but did it's you true. read it? Yes, I did. I did. I can tell you someone who didn't read it. It was very well written. It was some douchebag named Philip Hamilton, who, without reading it, wrote, "Is this? Is this? Was this article written by?" Someone white or someone black, SMH. Firstly, I'm pretty white. <laughs> Secondly, no part of my article in any way or shape or form mentioned race. It yeah, but peace, peace. Nobody reads online ever. It's, they read the they read the title, they read the title, they look at the picture, and they'll be like, "Okay, I'm gonna make my entire assessment about this article based on the title yeah. and the picture." And your title was yeah. "The Curious Case of Cam Newton." The curious case yeah. of Cam Newton is what that he's a bad egg. That's what people assume because that's his perception right now. My curious yeah. case was that he's not signed. <laughs> yes, and, and, that's it. That's all your point was. That's all it was. The, the, the bad the bad egg argument. No coaches or players who've played with him. Or coach them have ever said anything negative about Cam Newton. Yeah, it's not like he's calling Kaepernick or anything. He's he's donated millions of dollars. It's to- all because he didn't fall on the fumble at the Super Bowl. That's the only reason why people have built this perception had, that they keep running. Had he with. done that, Eagle? Had he done that and gotten hurt, he would have been crucified for being dumb because yeah. huh, you don't you know yeah. you're not putting you're not thinking your team. You're just put, you know you're just trying to react in the moment. You're dumb. You're stupid. Like there's no winning. No matter what happens, like we're forgetting that that Peyton Manning threw the ball into a chest into the chest of the defensive lineman for an interception because they won the game. So yeah. like if Cam Newton wins, if the if the Panthers win that game, well we don't care that he doesn't dive on the ball but because because they lose. All of a sudden he doesn't care about winning. Well that year he also won the MVP. He also brought his team pretty much single handedly. Well, they had a good defense that year to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but it was compared to the Denver defense that year. Yeah, Denver defense was crazy. Setting defense, and like they were Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, two Hall of Fame pass rushers on your team. And 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 not to mention the cornerbacks. And the cornerbacks, keep the lead on the other side. Who's on the other side? It was Chris Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr. Or also Champion League. Was it possible Champion? No, Champion. No, I think Champion League. He was gone maybe a few years before. They had a keep the lead though. Yeah, Yeah, they did. So I mean, like, like chains. they weren't like the Panthers weren't favored to win that game at all. They were the underdog and they lost the game. It happened. Yeah. It was a good game too. It was a, it was a genuinely yeah, close game where Peyton Manning was awful and they happened to get by. So funny story about that. I'm kidding. I, I don't have one this week. Okay. <laughs> I have a good story about the about Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech. Okay. Well, here, let's go for it. All right. So I hey, was. Did you introduce it, it, Terry? What's the point of me saying no? <laughs> So I was in California okay. when during – at that point, it was in March. And uh, he was set to retire. My flight – I was with my friend Eric. I was, I, my flight was supposed to leave at like 10.30, okay? So we wake up that morning. We go. We get bagels. I might have told the story before. We get bagels, the whole thing. We come back. We pack our stuff. We're taking our time. We see Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech on TV. We sit down. We start watching it. Cool. Our flight's supposed to be – at 12.30. Sorry, 12.30, not 10.30. We go. We're on our way to the airport. I'm like, let me check. I look at my phone. As we get to the airport, our flight was at 10.30, not 12.30, and we missed our flight because of Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech. I so, blame Peyton Manning. He played like trash in that game, and yeah. he missed plate. Also, I lost my parlay. I would have won like 1200 bucks If Peyton Manning got more than one and a half yards rushing, he took a knee and made me lose the bet. Yeah. Fuck you, Peyton. Twice. Piece of garbage. That's what people <laughs> often say about being man. Yeah, he's a fucking <laughs> asshole. And he's got a big forehead and he looks like Tom Hanks. He does. He does. Um, Terry, I don't know if you saw this story. The NCAA, uh, it, they're looking, they're exploring the possibility of allowing players 
to make money off of their name through endorsements and, and, and likeness rights and all that. It's about time. They're, 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 they're investigating whether or not they should allow football players to have the same rights and basketball players have the same rights as everybody else. So, so the person that for badminton, so basically what they're trying to say is we're going to give you guys like 1% of all Jersey sales, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And that's what you're getting. So the badminton guys aren't going to get anything. Soccer players will get nothing. Baseball players won't get much. It's going to be football and basketball, which is good because they bring the most money. But they're in. the ones who generate the income. Exactly. So, I mean, I like it. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. We'll see what happens. And like, the so, thing is, they're not paying them a salary. They're allowing yeah. them to make money off likeness and off merchandise. That's it, exactly. Which is a basic human right for all of us. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know going to college meant that I give up all my rights. Yeah, I didn't know that I was... Therefore, because I took some history classes, that means now, now uh, you can make millions of dollars while I make nothing. That's um, it. And a lot of this comes on off the back of Jalen Green. Jalen Green is the number one high school basketball player. Uh, a lot of people don't know him because a lot, unless someone has the hype of Zion Williamson in high school, we just <clears throat> uh, know about them. Jalen Jalen Green is the top, uh, the top uh, NBA prospect. A lot mm-hmm. of guys are saying that. If it was, if you can come straight out of high school, he would be a top three pick in the NBA draft this season. So he's that good, and he's choosing to play in the G League for five hundred thousand dollars because they've come up with a, a pathway. Uh, Rod Strickland, who is the next uh, NBA point guard, he works for the G League, uh, and he he basically did a study saying like they had already created a pathway where players can make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to play in the G League instead of going to college for one year and then get drafted. Now, the thing is, is that this didn't work for, for a couple of reasons. One is that they can play in Europe and in Asia and make three to $500,000. And B, $125,000 is kind of a joke because you know these guys are making more under the table, right? Like, we, can all, we all know that at this point. I mean, Joey Bosa is, is popular for saying that he made more money at Ohio State than he did with his first contract offer in the NFL. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's a lot of cash that they make on the side, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're still going to be making that stuff, but for the most part, I think the NCAA is just trying to get ahead of it. But with Jalen Green is that I think – I why why not go to the G League for one year? So one of the – I would. One of the proposals was uh, – and it's Russ Strickland and, and there's another ex, ex-basketball player whose name I can't think of that, that work that are uh, sort of like commissioners and, and VP of the of the G League. They, they were saying um, – because because running the G League is expensive. Um, and it costs team more money usually than it's worth. Just like minor league teams eat up a lot of the income for uh, for major league teams. But what the, one thing with the G League is they're talking about if they can get like the top ten recruits or top fifteen recruits, if they can offer them the ability to play there for five hundred thousand dollars instead of going to play in the NCAA, they were saying that if they can get the top let's say 10 or 15 recruits, it would get more people to watch the G League because you get, let's say like, if Zion Williamson wasn't playing at Duke, instead he was playing in the G League, look, we're already going to watch March Madness. Why not give us something some uh, something other than that that's interesting, in this case, the G League? Yeah, yeah it's true. It's not the same. No, it's not G League ever. Well, but would you have watched it? If G, would you have watched it if, if R.J. Barrett and and Zion Williamson were playing in the game. Of course, okay, of course. Okay, okay. It's good that you said Zion because I've watched RJ Barrett and uh, no. you you watch the XFL. You're telling me you wouldn't watch the G League? These guys, <laughs> okay, are, actually, maybe these guys are actually but, like but, okay, one step away from being pros. The XFL, there's probably a handful of guys on every team that are pros. Yeah, the, the G League. Better question. Like you you guys are you guys are stalling. You guys are stalling. Give me a G League team and. Listen, man. There's no other sports. It's the G League. <laughs> I can't. I can't either. Hold on. I'll get you some. You guys keep talking. I'll get you some G League. One, one, one thing that's interesting, Terry, and I want. I was curious about this, and we kind of touched on this uh, with the case of Joe Burrow. And I said, like the main red clause. Is there a chance that Joe Burrow was so successful because of the age, and that he was so much older than some of the guys he's competing against? One of the concerns with these NCAA basketball players is that if you're 18. And you're going to compete against guys whose bodies are, are much more filled out at you know 23, 24, 25 years old, let's say. And guys who played either pro in Europe, played in the NBA, played in the G League for some years, playing essentially pro basketball. Uh, will there is there a risk that their draft status actually takes a hit 
because they don't look quite as good as Zion Williamson dominating. So, so wear wear and tear after one year, you're saying? Not wear and tear, but just they don't look they don't look as good as let's say like like Zion Williamson. We saw him dunking on guys who mm-hmm. basically are never going to have a chance to play in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. But maybe he doesn't look quite as um, astonishing by playing guys on his level. Guys, would you watch? Would you watch the real Grandy Valley Vipers? Versus the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Yeah, 100%. Cause the... I'm an ant <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm an ant head too. I want to buy a t-shirt now. Fort Wayne Mad Ants. The, the Windy City Bulls against the Westchester Knicks. Westchester Knicks? Yeah. Westchester Where's Westchester? Nothing is Boston. That was in Boston. I, I, I believe it's I in New York State. Um, you about Winchester. Westchester. Yeah, Winchester's in Boston. What were we saying before, Pease? Um, no, I was saying that so, is there a chance that their draft status would get yeah. hurt? So I don't think that, I don't think the draft status would. Get, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it'll have an effect. I don't think it'll hurt everybody across the board. It might only affect like maybe the bottom half. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't see it affecting that much. I think that they, they just need a system in place that allows you, if you don't want to go to university, whatever the case may be, and you just want to go play basketball, then go fucking play basketball. So, I don't understand. But I have, I have a question to pose you, Terry. I am um, a guy who's, who want, who's looking to be a young executive in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And because I'm white, you're I fired. get hired by the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you're fired. And there's nothing requiring me. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You're hired. Okay, no, you're, fired. You're, fired. you're fired again. Oh, God damn it. But there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing requiring me to go study for a year, right? Exactly. Why is it that the players are required to go play for a year? It's because they, they, they don't want... They don't want the they want the draft to um, sorry they want college but NCAA and NBA and the NBA made this a rule yeah. okay so it's only NCAA that benefits from this the yeah. NBA does not benefit from this right so to your point do would you see guys draft classes get hurt yeah I guess so but at the end of the day for football players you have to be three years removed from high school right in college you have to be one year removed from high school. Just go do what Melo did. Go to Europe for a year. Learn how to play small ball a bit. Come back and you learn the different stuff of basketball. Well, it just like, I mean, the, the argument they always make is like, oh, you know, we want to expose them to, to university. Uh, we, we, uh, yeah. Kevin important. Durant did a, did a lot with his developed. one semester in Texas. Tell, tell me, tell me what Kobe Bryant would have developed by going to college. Tell me what LeBron James would have developed by going to college. But like I say, Kevin Durant went to Texas for one semester just to play basketball and he left. So, What's the like? What's the benefit in it? There's no benefit. Look, Andrew Wiggins, same thing. One year, Barrett, Zion, all one year. Like, what's the point? What's the point? They just it's just for them to make money. And okay, you're not gonna get maybe the top twenty recruits, maybe the top twenty. And I'm exaggerating here. Top twenty would go to the NBA, the NBA draft. But for the most part, most of the stars would play in college anyway. Well, we we saw it before the one and done rule. We saw it usually somewhere between three, you know, three or four players straight out of high school on a good year yeah. otherwise it'd be one or two you know i just i just think and i said the same thing with the nfl i think there should be a minor league and the g league is kind of like a minor league but it's not a mandatory one so the the nhl does it perfectly every team has an has a has a team that's a that's a minor league associate um the nba should do the same thing they have long seasons they should be able to go down pick up players bring them up you know but it it sucks that there hasn't been a system yet, but I don't know why. It's monetary. It's yeah, always teams don't want to have a G League team because it costs money to run. So you don't have to run the team, though. Like, the Habs don't own the Rockets. Yeah. It's just their associate, their affiliate. That's all it but is. See, in, affiliation. The G League, in the G League, the teams are all owned by NBA teams. I know, but that change it. So the Fort Wayne uh, Mad Ants, be owned on your own. Get an owner. What you're saying is we should buy the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Just I, get an owner. I, that's I that's how you become an NBA exec. Get an owner, Duke. Where's you're Westchester? Still fired. <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Where'd you say? Where'd you say, Bees? Where's Westchester? It's in New York. It's uh, right near Sanford. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that, that so I guess I think it's more Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably Connecticut. And so I saved this for the end of the show because I miss Eagle. I love Eagle. I can't wait to hold Eagle in my arms again. Um, Eagle. This is fine. There's something to do with some geek shit. It's actually a pretty big deal. So thank you for setting it up so yeah, clearly. Yeah. The, the Let me get some background on this, all right? So, so today, the so first off, just like sports have been shut off and everything, esports are still running full steam. So uh, how how can play, they operate? How? 
you say that, but there's actually been major changes this year, actually. So yeah, because like there's there's a whole thing about correct correct me if I'm wrong, Eagle, but uh, there's a whole thing about they need referees at these events to make sure that people aren't cheating. And there is rules. There's a shit ton of stuff that actually runs. Now, the the biggest thing is, and we're going to talk specifically about, uh, I guess, Call of Duty and Overwatch. They both have their own league, so essentially they're shooter games. League of Legends has similar stuff, but essentially uh, this year, uh, Overwatch especially have tried to move to a true sports model where you have home and away games. So you literally would have people come watch you play at a stadium or whatever it happens to be. So they've had crazy success at the the first few games and everything. Then of course the whole COVID situation fucked up all their plans so now everyone's playing online instead they've switched the model that being said today the vancouver titans essentially one of the teams uh that is owned essentially by the vancouver canucks and that ownership group and everything decided to release every single one of their players and replace them with amateur or minor league players for their next game here's the story of this franchise last year 2019 the Vancouver Titans are formed. It's basically an expansion team. So they buy in, pay a shit ton of money. We're talking multi-millions to buy a franchise, essentially. And decide to go to Korea and essentially sign an entire roster of players from the team called Runaway. Okay? So imagine, like, it's a core of, like, 8 to 10 guys. They've played with each other for the last two years. And we say, we want every single one of you to play on our team. They get contracts. They get signed, whatever it is. Back then, they were playing in Los Angeles. So the team sets them up in this nice house in, like, you know, the, the valley, let's say. So you're all living inside there. You have a practice facility you go play with. They're so good. They make it all the way to the finals. They lose in the final game. So they finish second in the league. They're, one of their players, Haskell, wins a, a league uh, MVP rookie, essentially. So MV, uh, rookie of the year. Okay. Really, really, really dominant series. This, year this, is, for, this is for Overwatch? Overwatch, yeah. Okay. So this year. That game I don't whole, get. I don't understand that game at all. It's because you're stupid. It's fine. Well, um, also it's stupid. really complicated. It's also stupid. You're also stupid. Duke, you're stupid, but I don't need to tell you. You know. So <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah. It's so we're all stupid except model. for Ego. So the games aren't based out of LA anymore. They're literally based out of all the different areas. So you got a team in Washington, you play in Washington. You got a team in Dallas, you play in Dallas. You got a team in London, you play in London. So the Vancouver team essentially relocates and puts themselves in Vancouver. So they're living on Vancouver Island. And what they ended up doing was they uh, put them into not this big team house, but essentially a sports training facility with a dorm setup. So imagine like if you're doing NFL training camp or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, pretty much. But imagine like a sports facility designed for boot camps, right? So you have like a yeah. soccer field, a basketball field, a pool. So it's designed for sports, but they have an esports section of this. So these guys are living in essentially dorms or bunk beds. So the whole idea was, okay, we practice here. We get on a plane. We fly wherever we have to fly to to play the games for that week. We fly back there. We're all good. COVID hits, so now they're stuck living out of this facility, and they're, again, their families are back in Korea, they're all homesick pretty much, and they can't do anything. So they essentially asked the org, can we go back to Korea to spend time with our families? Also, the situation there is much better. So, again, this story is really still breaking, so you don't know the exact details, but basically the management team said, okay, sure, you can go back, but we're not going to get you a team house or anything there, you're going to have to go live at home, essentially, but play games and practice from there. So originally they go, Okay, cool. I guess that's fine. But internet's a problem because usually you have your PC bangs. You know, food is a problem because now you have to buy it yourself. Usually this is all covered by the team and everything. So there's a lot of turmoil and tension apparently between the management group in Vancouver and the rest of the players in Korea and everything. Time zones are a problem now, etc. Jerry Cross 2.0. So we don't know exactly what happened, but there's a shit ton of drama that happened apparently behind the scenes that we don't know of. So... We knew that something went down. They moved, essentially, the games back to North America to basically say, we're going to play on the North American schedule instead. And so today they officially said, we've released all of our players, every single one of them. We're signing brand new players from an amateur league who's going to play for us for the rest of the season. Fuck, well, how come I didn't get, how come I didn't get called up? Because you're not good. <laughs> you just said you don't know anything about Overwatch. I mean, that would be the thing. I don't know the game, so maybe I'd be good at it. Yeah, he's an amateur. It works that way. Right. I mean, the, you the never minimum know, right? salary is 50k. So I'm not gambling 50k on your story, ass. Why? Because you suck. Yeah, but I'm entertaining. Yeah. Why, you don't why, have the dedication, man. You're a visionary like Nike, Eagle. Why don't you be a visionary like Nike? Yeah. Yeah, but at least yeah. Jordan had talent. <laughs> you know, Eagle can't I'm, even I'm, spell the game. I'm getting all these shots. You know, I'm just such a nice guy. Yeah. 
I never disrespected Eagle in any way. No, but it's one thing, it's crazy, one thing though, I will right? say about yeah, it's fucking nuts. Because the one thing I will say about this is that why would these guys mess with a bunch of nerds? They're just gonna hack your system and fucking put child porn on your fucking screen and shit, and then you'll lose. I would never fuck with nerds. Nerds are the last guys you want to fuck with a day, day uh, this day and age. Hundred percent. I'd rather fuck with Duke, who just knows how to make pictures, than fuck with. Yeah, you. no, I, I, but I don't know how to do any of that. Your dick next to your face. Yeah, he's, I, I could, mean, I, but that I you can tell us Photoshop. Porn on your computer, but I, I I could put porn on your computer, but I'm not a pro. Trust me, there's plenty of porn on my computer. I don't need you to put it there. Yeah, I'm just, help. <laughs> um, the thing is, I would not fuck with nerds. And Eagle, your story that that I loved was uh, Denny Hamlin was in a race and was leading the race and lost the race because his daughter turned off the TV. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. That made me laugh. Uh, uh, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. For sure, buddy. So, uh, Terry, looking forward to seeing your interview up there. You're doing the Lord's work. You're carrying a lot of the weight. But I am down to give you a hand with that uh, basketball series. For sure. I'm having a blast. You know, people just message me. They're like, I want to do this. I'm like, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. Man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Terry, thank you for joining me today. Duke, thank you as well. Thanks for paying attention once in a while. Yeah. Eagle. Yeah. Thanks for keeping it all together. Your hair looks terrible. You it's the worst. It's pretty bad. It's worse than This is life. fine. Uh, this is fine. Remember, you, <laughs> you've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. I'm supposed to do that. Oh, Not yeah. you. I did it. It's fine. There it's been go. done. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> See you guys. Take care. Tell me. Eagle, keep nerding. Fuck you, man. <laughs>